0: I have no answers. So even in my discussion, I'm only talking about my experience up to this point, but my mind is left open to learn more with the notion and understanding that I know I may have the wrong answer today, but I'm open to learning and figuring out what the right answer is tomorrow.
1: If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. Because it'll teach you what my dad always taught me, that failure is just opportunity in disguise. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's. Today we have what is probably the most important episode that I've ever had on this show. Full disclosure, it was unplanned. If by now you have not listened to last week's episode with actor Aldous Hodge, I suggest you pause, go back, and listen to that. You'll get his whole origin story the way we normally do it here on 10,000 No's. But what you're about to hear today is actually the first hour of that conversation. I happened to ask Aldous in the beginning of the interview what the biggest no's were for him. And his answer was the cultural no of being black in America. And it sent us on about an hour-long conversation about race in America and specifically in our industry. And it was really eye-opening. I felt like he brought his truth, he brought his honesty, his intelligence, his vulnerability, and his perspective. And we just were two guys having a conversation, trying to understand where the other one was coming from. And I feel like it's the kind of conversation that needs to be happening in this day and age. There is so much going on all over our country all over the world, but specifically our country right now. And rather than just lump it in with the rest of the conversation, because we ended up, he was generous enough to sit down and speak for another hour and a half, and that's last week's episode. But we felt like we needed to set this one apart and give it to you here in one concise conversation. So I, I ask you to sit back, listen, really try to understand And ask yourself, maybe it challenges some of your your views or some of your perceptions or, or beliefs. If it does, if it makes you uncomfortable, that's fine. What I hope that it does is just sparks more conversations like this where people are trying to understand each other rather than prove where they're coming from to be the right way because we all have different perspectives based on our history, based on how we've been treated. And I I so appreciate Aldous for, for sitting down with me and really opening up. And I hope you enjoy this. I hope it sparks something in you emotionally, intellectually, philosophically. Here he is, Aldous Hodge. We are talking about race in America. Enjoy. What's the biggest no you've had to overcome? And I don't mean a literal no. I mean, proverbial no. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it go back to childhood. You could go back to, you could, it could be the beginning of your career. I don't I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Um, but what? what are, what's like the...
0: It, I think the biggest no that I've had to experience was a cultural no when it came to the perception of me, uh, where I was raised and how I was raised. And this is motivation for why I do everything I do and how I do even the choices I make professionally especially with my career um the state of things every reminder that I got from this country and from school and from just the environment around me telling me that I couldn't be what I was supposed to be because I'm black and that's the best and the worst thing about my experience growing up here because and I say here like I was born here um but I've never been, I say I say. the only place I'm treated as an American is when I'm not in America. Here, they, I'm always treated as something other, like abnormal, like I should be somewhere else. And when it came to where I was growing up, because I grew up between Jersey and New York as a kid, um, bounced all around Jersey, like Trenton, Clinton, Hatt, Hackensack, all that. Clifton, uh, Trenton was rough, Clifton was rough, but uh, grew up in a place where Everybody was telling me that I couldn't reach my potential just because of what I looked like, even in the business, because my brother and I, we've been at this now over 30 years. I started when I was two, him when he was three. They used to tell me all the time they didn't want me because I was too dark. They'd literally say that. They didn't give a damn. They would were, no, no, we don't want black kids. Ah, right, he's too dark. He's this, he's that. Or... I would go and you know, people have heard me say this before. I remember being like uh I think eleven or twelve years old being in an audition. And because of how they negatively perceived and wanted to continue to show black people, you know, I got a casting agent who's like, I mean, a casting director who's like in his 40s white guy who's like, Look, uh, you're not black enough because I spoke with intelligence, because I didn't shy away from my intellect, right? So the biggest no that I've experienced was the constant reinforcement of how people perceived my the the how people negatively perceived my culture in this country. Uh the lack of acknowledgment and recognition for our contributions to this country, the lack of acceptance to the fact that we own and still Deserve and are still fighting for our stake are here fairly in terms of people just resolving the fa- to 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 within themselves the notion that we deserve to be here, right? So that's the biggest no, and I say that because those no's feed into every single aspect of business that I am still currently in, and. It motivates me every day. That's why I got into horology. That's why I choose specific roles to a degree, even why I chose to be a part of uh, uh, sitting on a hill because it was an opportunity to show a different side of that. So, you know, I I want my experience to help recede and eventually extinguish those no's when it comes to how my culture is constantly held back in certain ways and you know there's a lot of people who don't think it's a reality they don't think it's real they think I'm just sitting here speaking you know hot noise oh look at you man you know you're successful and you do this and you know what do you have to complain about it's like look um I'll put it like this I was talking to an associate of mine um for a while, I thought we were friends, but then after I realized how he perceived me, he's an, he's he's a, a, a Caucasian gentleman. After I realized how he perceived me, I realized, oh, he had no respect for me at all. But we were talking about our childhoods and the work that I had to put in, the struggle that I had, which was different than his... And he was trying to discredit me by saying, oh, that's not real. Like, I was like, I'm a child. I was an actor as a child. I'm not going to give you that. You weren't a, you know, that doesn't matter. That doesn't count. You didn't know what you were doing. So, uh, twelve, when I said, first of all, look, man, I'm asking you to acknowledge that is my real experience. I'm telling you that my that's my real experience. It's not up to you to tell me or define for me what was real for me because when I was 12 – I knew it was up. When I was eight, I knew it was up. Uh, you know, when we were 12, we were just out there chasing girls. He used a different word. Um, you didn't know what you're doing. I said, I did, because I wasn't out there chasing girls. I was paying bills and feeding the family. That was what was real to me. And, you know, we went back and forth on a couple different things. At this point, we were already in a heated disagreement um, about his notion that his opinion of my experience mattered more. And, I told him, look, man, when I was 12, I had to be, there's a difference in the way I was treated and where I came up. I had to, to engage my intellect just to get by. Education was everything. Education was my way out. That was what my mom put in the house was like, look, education is everything. And not just books and school, school doesn't always teach you the best way. Um, Life education. He said, okay, well, all right, I'll give you that. You were a very uh, uh, smart 12 year old, but that has nothing to do with the fact that you were black. I said it has everything to do with the fact that I was black. I had to be because I was black. You met me. You felt like you were compensating. You know, I mean, I felt like yeah, there there is the game of for there there's a a moment where as as black people we fill in spaces we have to compensate or compromise just to get by, or what we call code switching just to um, just to get ahead. Because we're not often allowed to be our authentic selves in the rooms. But now, where I'm at, I'm at a very different level in my career where I create my environment. I'm working at an executive level. I own companies and businesses. I employ people, and when I employ people that look like me, there's a very different ease and comfort that we're afforded. That oftentimes, when I'm in a room with, you know, say, collectively 100 white people, 100 percent white people, they're afforded that ease too, but they don't realize it. Because it's common, right? Mostly often, the, if those are the rooms that they're in on a regular basis, that comfort sort of just goes unnoticed because it's regular, it's average. And what we're, what I'm saying is for me in my space, in my culture, we should ha- be able to have that comfort too. It's nice because when I have been in rooms where I'm the only black person there, which is often the case, uh I'm not allowed to say certain things the way I want to say them because I know how they'll be perceived. So I have to really work to figure out how to translate the message about something where somebody will understand me and hear me and not just completely write me off or discount what I have to say, you know, discount my merit. So it's not saying that oh, you shouldn't have this. That, that. No, you have that. That's great. We should have it too. It's that simple. Yeah. But when we ask for it, why is it so important for you to want to take it away? What the... I don't want to...
1: No, cut, you, but, you, it's up, it's up uh, to you if you want to. I just swear. You but can, I mean, maybe. literally, when
0: you get exhausted, you're just like, what the fuck? So, you know, in this conversation with this person, there were a lot of other areas that he touched on that were really um, derogative. And when I brought it to his attention and I simply asked for respect and acknowledgement for that, I, that he, he, he recognizes my opinion of, and my description of my experience is valid. Don't do not discredit that. Um, especially as a man, as a black man, as a black man in this country, in this business, um, you know, I won't go into the details. It got ugly, but, the, the the fault was that he could not get out of his own way and his own perception to acknowledge that this was my experience and it counted. Right. And what I kept trying to tell him is like what we've dealt with so long in this country, just as a culture, is trying to be understood and acknowledge what you're doing is the the thing that that is most egregious. In that I'm telling you this is why I
1: matter, and you're telling me it doesn't matter to you, so it doesn't matter at all. <clears throat> What's amazing to me was this person an actor. <laughs> Because no, I'm not looking for their name. I'm. I, don't, you don't even have to answer that. But this what's person, ama- this person was what, this person was an actor? Well, yeah. what's amazing to me about that? One of the things I talk about all the time that the the beauty of acting to me, yeah. and I think anybody, whatever they do for a living, could learn from being in an acting class because mm-hmm. at its essence, underneath everything else, take away the business, all mm-hmm. of it, it's us going. You know, how do I step into this person's shoes right and defend their point of view to the world without judgment even if I'm playing Hitler how do I get how do I get yeah. in there and go well you know if you got in his mind he didn't think what he was doing was wrong you know if you're right. playing that character you have to get in there and not judge yeah. and to me it sounds like this guy is judging you to, you know, that's why I said to you in the beginning, I said, what are your perceived no's? It's like, mm. it doesn't matter what anything, it's like, what did, because what each of us perceives as our no's, I have my whole group of no's that you could listen to and go like, really? That's nothing. Right. But for me, it was something. And, and, and so for yeah. him to say like, no, you didn't do that. That's, well, it's kind of crazy. Here's what I
0: was me. trying to get him to understand, you know, cause he's brought up the subject of uh, racism, racial bias, and and he didn't really believe in it, you know, the way it was and and the need for integration when it comes to uh, the industry and the business. And I said, well, I tried to explain to him, you got to understand that there is a real need because I'm on the other end of it. And I have had to fight for, for roles where I've been excluded specifically because I'm black. That's my experience. I know that. I know that within our community. It's very, very common. So, because you have an experience that you may not grasp the necessity or you may not be able to appreciate that. And you may feel like, Oh, there's something being taken away from you. But what I'm I'm trying to get you to understand is that this is the game of the business. You're on the other side of things where you are granted more opportunity at the expense of other people. right? Right now that there has been a push and I hope it's not just as it often is a, Blip a moment in time, but now that there's been a push for inclusion because it's the right thing to do, what you're experiencing is the fair state of the business. This is how it is, right? This is how it should be, in that everybody gets a piece of the pie. But that's not real. That's not actually real for all of us, right? But the the the, the I think the the biggest mistake that was made there. Just the biggest error in communication is, I told him this is my experience of racism, uh, systemic racism as it applies to me, and that's what's real to me. I'm asking you to acknowledge that. Can you give me that? No, he said no. No, I'm not going to give you that. Okay, cool. He said I deal with racism too. I said okay, cool. Explain it. So he explained his encounters of racism, which you know was one encounter, (laughs) and it wasn't. The same. It wasn't. It wasn't the same. I'm not going to. It's his personal story. I'm not going to say it. But, um, you know, it was about a, a a a job thing, and it wasn't the same. It was about his features. They were looking for specific features, so not about his skin color. It was about his features, right? Um, and I said, but if that's real to you, if that's what's racism, racism to you, if that's what you feel like you've experienced. I acknowledge that as real. Cool. That's real to you. I'm not going to discredit that, discount that. But what I need you to do is not feel like you have the right or the opinion to discount mine because you don't. Right. Like, and and just if we're going to keep it 100, who the fuck do you think you are to come through and tell me what is and is not valid for me? Right. Nobody has that
1: right but me. Where I, you know can relate to this. I mean, even in the, you know, first of all, I think also I've had, uh, I've had female executives on this show Mm -hmm. who are very successful, Mm -hmm. who, I don't know if it was on the record or off the record, but basically the gist was if a, if a man had done all the things that this person had done, Mm -hmm. the pay would have been way bigger. And I agree. I think in every area, there are, um, there are, uh, Th- there are things that are unfair. Yeah, and and, and, and like the guy you're talking about, I, I, well, you, this is what I think it's the degree of it. Cause I've mm. said, like, I've had plenty of times where I go in, I feel right for something. I feel good in the room. They're like, mm. oh, we're, we're going. And the way they would say, you know, like the Hollywood speak, yeah. we're going ethnic, ethnic. with that rule. <laughs> right. And yeah. I'm like, what? You know, and yeah. I'm like, you know, and if, but the, I mean, the the origin of this whole podcast really mm-hmm. was, um, I had been working on a show. I was working on Scandal. My my storyline kind of dried up. And all of a sudden, it was pilot season 2017. Right. And that was the year of hashtag Oscar so white. And the way I describe it is, I go-
0: I remember that. year, Yeah. And
1: I go, the way that I describe it, I go, as a human, I think this is- this is a good step for the world. Like mm. this is, it's kind of like, you gotta, you gotta make it more fair mm. as an individual. And the head of my own particular little household, I was mm. like, shit, because <laughs> I felt really good in the rooms and I couldn't like, ah. I couldn't do yeah. anything. And then that's what sparked me to Whoa. start the show. Cause I was like, yeah. I can't wait. You know? So I guess what I'm saying is mm. like that guy that had this with you, he's right. Any actor, I don't care if you're, you know, green, white, black, blue, whatever, yeah. it's going to be hard because the economics are that you got this many people and you have a tiny amount of jobs. Right. But what I don't think he's recognizing, and I think like as, you know, as a white guy myself, I mm-hmm. got to recognize it's like you've had it harder for that, for that race reason mm-hmm. in the United States. It, it, it's-, it's just... It just is. Uh, but, you
0: know, and, and, and to that, I mean, like, everybody's um, no's are valid. Right. right. Because it's their experience. And, and, again, with him, the thing that I was trying to really stress is you don't have the right to tell somebody else their no isn't valid. Right. Because you haven't experienced it. You know, uh, if we want to talk about the demographics of percentages when it comes to the industry, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there was a study done in 2018. I think it came away with like between I don't know 80, 85 to 88 percent of, of leading roles on television and film are still primarily Caucasian male. Um, when it came to executives in the room. In terms of film executives, television executives, studio executives, you see the ratios of Caucasian males between figures of 95 percent to 100 percent in different sectors. Right. Um, so I was trying to explain to him, like, even if you feel a marginal shift in a lack of some opportunities here, it hasn't really changed your. The percentages haven't changed to a point where it's actually um, equivalent or or rather fair across the board in terms of everybody's struggle. Right. And if you look at those numbers and your shift has literally happened, maybe one percent. Right. For you of saying I used to work 10 times a year, now I work nine times a year and you are actually an active working. You have a job now. (laughs) Um, Imagine if that shift is. 10%, 20%, 30%, 40% less work for you. That's the reality I grew up in. That's all I know. So I have to work differently. I have to work smarter because I'm black. And I know the chances of my success are far less than yours. And the chances of my return to success, if I mess up, are far less to a point of being non-existent. I don't get second chances or third or fourth you know what I'm saying yeah yeah and i believe second chances should 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 be granted but they're not going to come for me in that way. So I'm not saying that my, I'm not, this is not a, a, a rate of comparison when I was, you know, in talking to, it's was like, this is not about comparing. It's about understanding and trying to get you to realize and understand the necessity for and, and get why there's a shift. There is a paradigm shift. It may affect you marginally, but it's not going to stop your flow. Right? So now you have to think differently, just like we all have to think differently. We have to think in ways I grew up in ways of thinking like, Oh, I, because it's not going to be provided for me, I have to provide it for myself. I started writing when I was like, 13 because my brother was writing because I all all the shows that I wanted to be on and the jobs opportunities that I saw that weren't being provided for me were specifically because they didn't see black people in those roles. So I was like, well, let me just do what I naturally do because I love science. You know, um, I'm a design engineer now as my other profession, because I love science. Um, I love art, you know, art history, art, uh, uh, the art environment the art world i'm a painter right i, I and, and and i i this for me my multifaceted interests are not in any way unique to me because i'm black because i learned i mean my nature for these things my 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 nature my my proclivity for interest when it comes to these very different um fields was natural to me, but at the same time, I referenced and saw other black people who are naturally inclined or contributed to these areas. So for me, it's normal. It's just we don't get to see it as a normalcy because of how much vitriol is pushed out in terms of the way we perceive black culture, which is not real. It's a very small percentage of what goes on, but that very small percentage also is found in every single culture of the world over. You know, we're not as black people predisposed to crime. We're not predisposed to to uh, 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 violence. That is not something that is unique to our culture, as one would have you think when it comes to the education of our culture in this country and the world over in many different ways. Yeah, You know, um, that's not who we are. Every single culture has that. So stop labeling that and, I mean, stop attaching that label to our perception. Stop doing that because that's what I grew up with. And I'm like, this is not us. I mean, sure, like, yeah, you know, I've seen some things break out, but I've also seen it with every other culture. But, you know, I mean, look at the news and the irresponsibility of, of, uh, depending on what news channel you're watching, look at the irresponsibility of the narrative. You know, we have constantly seen often over the last 10 years, you know, Black person does something, oh, gangins, and this is black people. You know, a brown person does something terrorism. You know, a white person commits mass murder. It's a lone wolf, and it's a mental health issue. Has nothing to do with oh, well, that's just him. It's a mental health issue. No. Why are you not attributing it to the culture and the environment that made it conducive for him to even do that? Yeah. It's a bigger problem at hand. So, if you're not going to attach his one act to the rest of the problem, don't attach, don't feel so free to attach the one act of an individual black or brown person to their entire culture. It's not fair. Right. Play a fair fucking game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's exhausting.
1: It's a complex issue. I mean, I've been watching just for my role on City on a Hill. I've been yep. watching these police documentaries, and there was one called uh, Flint Town, mm-hmm. and really interesting. You know, eight eight part series. And w- what I liked about it was they really got at it from a bunch of different angles, and yeah. they and they picked it apart, and they didn't really they didn't really have an answer as much as they asked a lot of questions and that's mm-hmm. what i think more of us need to be doing is asking questions and not pretending we have the answer because mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's not a simple it's not a simple solution. I mean, it's, it's steeped in so much history, and and there's so much back and forth on every side of it. And then when you like, you look at that, there are issues. There are race issues, but mm-hmm. there's also um, that particular town had a water problem. There were financial issues. There were you know crime rates were high. Mm-hmm. There was uh, uh, th- there were political issues. There were you know it, and, and yeah. everything. It's a it's a can of worms. And I think underneath it all it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about acting. Like, how do you get, you know, whether it's one actor taking on one role, how do I get behind that person's point of view and understand Mm -hmm. it? Or as a society, how do we get behind, you know, another race's point of view? How do we try to understand rather than try to um, tell people that, our way is right or our way is, is the truth. Mm -hmm. How do we, we all go, okay, this is what I think. What do you think? I go, Oh, Hey Aldis, I, you know, I had a different experience. This is what I think. And then you go, well, here's what I, and I go, oh, okay. You know, it's, it's Uh, just more of a dialogue. Well, I feel
0: like to get to that place um, you have to seek to learn. And oftentimes most people will not learn unless they want to. Right. And um, not to shameless plug, but I do a podcast called Common Ground, which is literally about that, where bring people from two opposing sides of an issue, bring them together. And it's not about them debating, trying to prove each other wrong. It's about how can you find the middle ground where you find reason within each other's opinions? Can you do that? And you're right. If we all come to the table with more questions than we think we have answers, we're going to learn a lot more. That's the point of communicating. But How are we communicate? How are we taught to communicate with one another? We're taught to perceive each other based off of in this country, definitely color Um, and our idea of someone's culture versus our experience within someone's culture. Our ideas are far more dangerous because our ideas are always going to be biased and will not allow for real truth to sneak in if that truth challenges our bias. Right. So you have to really scrub away the ego and open up your mind to be like, you know what? I'm going to just be honest with myself and say, I have absolutely no idea what the hell is going on here, but let me yeah. go learn. Yeah. You know, just like uh, talking about people in the ghetto, right? Everybody in the ghetto, they all act the same way. They all this, they all that. They tear things up their hood. da da da. da. No, I come from those streets. There's beautiful people there. The ghetto has a perception which falls on the people. You know, but what would happen if if you took away the constraints that make it the ghetto, the ghetto is a ghetto because the people there have a lack of access to certain things, health care, education, financial uh, uh, opportunities, um, good housing opportunities. Right. Uh, good quality resources. Right. That's what makes it the ghetto. But the people in the ghetto make the best of it. Yeah. right? So let's stop calling them ghetto. Let's stop calling it a ghetto because in order for it to be that, I don't look at the people who are living there and ask, well, what are you doing wrong? I look at who profits from that and ask, why do you need to keep it that way? I was watching a documentary. I think it's called the five, seven about these cops who were running a really trash ring of, of selling drugs and crime and all that. I think in Brooklyn, um, Oh no, I mean the seven five is what it's called. The seven five. And there was a line I'm paraphrasing, but one of the cops said, you know, uh the ghetto is like the richest place because they go there, they poach, they go there, they prey on the people, they steal from the people. This again, this is not all cops, of course. That's that's a you know, <laughs> let's not even go there because there are a lot of great cops and there's a lot of cops who don't do the job well. It's another issue that people have issues with. I mean, a hot hot button topic people have issues with and don't want to really discuss. But, you know, they go there to farm. But the people who live in those areas are great people. And just because they got a few folks around them, you know, I was having a a discussion with a a different associate of mine. whose father was like an ambassador. So he grew up. In a very different world. I think he lives in like uh um like Pacific Palisades or something like that. You know, he's 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 doing well, you know. Um older man uh older man Caucasian in his like fifties. And we were talking about the difference the distinctions between the ghetto and, and, and the dangers within the ghetto and like the Beverly Hills and all that. Yeah. And I said, Bro, I know what you think in terms of the ghetto and I know Beverly Hills area, it's it's as many, if not more, drug dealers in Beverly Hills, if not more criminals in Beverly Hills. The difference is, and this is just my moxie talking, the difference is they got the money to cover it. They got the money to hire the lawyers to fight the case. They got the money to look legit. But it's mad criminals in those areas. So let's not tie the idea or the 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 perceived notion of criminality to the ghetto just because you don't know the ghetto and you ain't been there. Yeah. I done been in both worlds. I can walk in both worlds. You can't. I know, and I've seen cats get away with crazy things in these so-called nice environments and areas and these fancy whatever's and who to do's, right? Again, not saying everybody there is doing crooked stuff, but there are crooked people, and that has to be acknowledged, who live off of and pilfer off of other people who are disadvantaged in many ways, financially, socially, communally, right? So that has to be addressed. So if you want to attack a problem, attack who's profiting off of the problem. Let's address that. Let's go see and figure out where that, because that's where all the, 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 the in terms of the shift, the paradigm shift for change, it starts there. Yeah. How can we cut off the profit? Because people need this situation to be this way for them to stay up how can we change that and i again speak of that as as just somebody who has been profited off of <laughs> you yeah. know um you know and 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 then not given back to you know uh and i'm talking about outside like my 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 fam is is my core so we all give to each other but i'm talking about the elements on the outside of us
1: yeah and then and then look i got to i got to say this especially cuz it's on my mind cuz i'm playing a cop right now yeah, yeah. and I'm playing a good cop right now and so and so and so I yeah. and and so I've been talking to I was lucky enough to go uh ride around with the guys on the gang unit up in yeah. Boston yeah, and yeah. Uh, just talk to these guys in in Chinatown the other night and you know you it it's I think either way looking at and and, and I'm glad you said that you're like it's not in you know you're not saying it's like there are bad cops there are also yeah. tons of good cops, yeah. and and there are bad black people, and there are tons of good black people, and yeah. there are bad Italians, and so and bad white folks, good white into, folks. You but know that's what mean? I'm saying. I think we get into when we get into problems on either end of the spectrum mm-hmm. is when we we start to. It, If you generalize, it's just like bad acting. It's when you generalize and you judge the character and you go, oh, yeah. You know, for me as an Mm. Italian-American, you see someone who's doing like a, you know, like a bad version of it. They're not really, they're doing an Italian that's like a stereotypical. You're like, that's not not who we are. Yeah. And and maybe that's some people, maybe that's that particular character. You know, but I think when we, I think for all of it, um, it's again, it's a can of worms. I wish I had the answer. I don't. Mm. I do know it starts with trying to understand the other side. I do, know, I knew the, I do know, you know, and it's You've like the guys I was with the other night, I said, how, how have you guys been the last, you know, the, I had met them when we were doing season one. And yeah. I, you know, I said, a lot has gone on. How, how is it? What's the, the public perception of cops and, you know, where they were in Chinatown. I don't know that it was um, it was so different, but there, there's definitely, uh, you know, people have an issue with cops and mm-hmm. the whole thing is, is sad to me that because it's gone so far one way, then it goes back the other way. And then you're mm-hmm. going, it, it's just, a it's a, it's a can of worms that I, I just think we find our way out by trying to understand. And like you said, mm. going back to the beginning with the, your friend or ex-friend who, mm. who refused to see your <laughs> your truth. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the same. It doesn't matter which side you're on. If it's, Somebody who's looking at someone who lives in the ghetto and refusing to see their existence and, and the mm-hmm. realities of what they're up against. And at the same time, if it's someone looking at a cop and refusing to see, like, I don't know, look, I'm playing make-believe on TV. I'm going in with right. a gun. But like, I don't know what I would do. I, you know, I see what and and mainly through the documentaries, but seeing like a, a situation that you're up against and yeah. you don't know what's coming, you can get shot at. And and a lot of the guys are out there trying to protect and serve and do the right thing. And yeah. then and then there's and then there's people that, that there are cops that just give the rest of them a bad name. It's just you yeah. know
0: I mean, look, I got I have respect for servicemen, but I also understand in the inter, internal workings, there are people who do do poor jobs. You know, I think it was like Chris Rocket made a joke about um bad cops and, and he's like, look, if you know, got a couple of pilots. Of course, I'm paraphrasing terribly, terribly. But you've got pilots working for an airline. You got a couple of bad pilots. It's like we are not gonna make it today. <laughs> like, like you're not, you're not just gonna be like, oh, you know, that's it. like no. You fix the problem, change the pilot. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You can't fly no more if you crash, and you know what I mean. Like that's not, that's not so. The my issue when it comes to the conversation with police is that I feel like. The protections afforded to cops who make mistakes. Um, egregious mistakes, and, yeah. and oftentimes not even well, some of what, what we've observed, not even mistakes, choices, mm-hmm. egregious choices. It's the protections we see given afforded to them makes it so much harder for the cops that are actually doing the job well. Yeah. It makes it so much harder. I mean, is it? Because I, you're distorting the relationship between policing and the idea of justice with the community that you're supposed to be protecting. It's not my job. It's like, I understand you have a hard job. You chose a job, but it's not my job as a civilian to figure out whether you're a good or a bad cop, right? And if you got a partner, I don't understand your environment at all, but I would hope that if you have a partner who's not doing a good job, you'd say something. Granted, we have seen cops who have said something about their partners, and then the cop who's the whistleblower gets reprimanded. I don't understand that. And these are good, well-meaning people saying, like, yo, I'm doing my job. As a police officer, this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't care if you got a badge. If you're doing wrong, I'm going to get you, right? But what happens is it makes it harder for the community to actually trust police, to trust that justice will be uh, served. It makes it harder for good cops to do their job and communicate with the civilians that they're trying to protect because now our vision, our, our perception of them is completely skewed. And look, growing up where I grew up, especially the the relationship between black community and police has never been great it can stand to be better I was raised not to deal not not I I wasn't raised to talk to police I was raised to survive encounters with police it's a very different mindset because I know how police have oftentimes dealt with me there are times where police have been unnecessarily aggressive with their attitudes with me where I was you know and everybody's like well if you just comply I was complying But the cop just walked up with an attitude off jump. So what am I supposed to do with that? Right. And because of the history between police and the black community, as we have seen, as it has been shown. My survival instincts tell me what to do and how to act and how to perceive this person in order to make it home. Every time I deal with a cop, my first thought is how do I make it home and we forget cops aren't supposed to kill criminals either supposed to arrest them right yeah but I know because I've done the research and we have seen what we've seen I don't have to be doing wrong to 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 fear for my life and that's sad because there are a lot of good police officers who just want to go home too yeah. and just do their job too. And they do have a dangerous job because crazy people out there who who you know there are a lot of cops who who die every single year who are doing the job well and doing it right, trying to respect the citizens uh uh civil rights.
1: Yeah. I mean so, that's that's a, that, that documentary you know. was 2016 I think yeah. it was and that was they happened to be filming at the time when cops were getting killed. There were two actually right in Bed-Stuy Brooklyn two cops were in, I think in their car got ambushed. Yeah. There was there was um It was the whole thing with the guy in, um, in Dallas that was shooting, you know, they, they had Mm -hmm. footage of of stuff and, and you, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I guess my question for you is like, what did, did you end up ever getting in trouble or did you, what was your tactic to get home? How did you how did you uh, react in a way? Because I'm sure that's got to be mm. tough. If you're not doing anything wrong and all of a sudden someone's aggressively coming at you and treating you as though you did, it's kind of like you when, when someone says have- you're crazy, the more yeah. you say, I'm not crazy, the crazier they think you are. So yeah, what did you, you do? You, you got to have the
0: patience of God. You, you got to outwit the, the aggression You know, um, not every cop who I've dealt with has had an aggressive stance, you know, I'll say that. But for the ones who have had aggressive stances, um, you just maintain your patience. I try not to be an overly aggressive person. I learned, you know, a long time as a kid, you know, you can do some things you can't apologize for. So you got to check that, check yourself at the door. You know what I mean? But... I try to make sure to also own my space and understand if I give somebody the power to upset me or to to get me aggressive, that's me giving my power away. So if I'm sitting here and we're we're in an argument, I start yelling and getting irate. That's me. That's my fault. I did that. You know, and how do I want to walk away from this situation? I want to walk away saying that I did everything right, as right as possible. So where the stress comes in is. Again, like the debate with the associate I had in terms of proving my worth my merit, and not letting somebody else define that for me, sometimes you encounter that with people who are in perceived authoritative figures because sometimes they take those positions. This is not just specific to some you know a law enforcement, this is politics, this is entertainment, people who have you know executive positions i'm your boss I'm your da 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 da. Sometimes they take those positions to feed their ego just so that that they can feel better by making other people feel small. And you have to know how to cerebrally play that game where you do not let them win. You do not give them your power by allowing them to agitate you. But I'm going to tell you and speak to you how I want, because as we have seen, there's plenty of videos of, you know, uh, I mean, just you know, people who ain't black, <laughs> you know, uh, dealing with cops, speaking to them. However, and cops are, just like, hey man, it's all right, da da da. But you sitting there talking to a black person, they're just telling you what it is, and all of a sudden it starts getting aggressive. Now, maybe it's it's uh, uh you know, I, I'm not certain. It's healthy to constantly see the 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 repetitious uh, videos in circulation in terms of, I know it's, it's emotionally depressing. I know throughout the quarantine, I was very emotionally depressed um, seeing all these constant videos. And it was just one after the next, after the next of of this violence against my culture simply because of skin color, you know? Cause when I look in the mirror, it's going to affect, it's like, I this is what I look like. I love what I look like. I'm gonna just be straight up being black is the shit. Saying that is not saying that being anything other else isn't. I'm saying it just because I'm proud of me. I love me. It took me a long time yeah. to figure out how to love me. You know, if you white and you like being white as a shit, bro, be white as hell. You right. But I'm black. This is my reality. And it is dope. I'm just letting you know that now. If I died and came back, I want to come back blacker. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm straight up. Like, that's just what it is. You know? But... I understand the challenges that afflict me based off of this. So I I have to figure out how to navigate that on top of of trying to get by. My homegirl put it like this so brilliantly to me. And and I was like, oh, damn, that's something to ponder. She said, it's it's hard when we, we have to figure out because, you know, she's an educated black woman, works at very, very high level in in terms of STEM and STEAM and, you know, sciences. Um, She used to work uh, at the Obama administration in the STEM department, right? So she said that, you know, it's hard. We have to show up and be excellent when at the same time, we're just trying to be okay. Yeah. You got to show up to work, perform at your peak level, When emotionally you're dying, you got to go have these conversations with people and show out and still perform, you know, I mean, throughout quarantine and all that and still going on, you know, everybody's like, you know, how is it, you know, with, 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 COVID and, and, and are you, are you worried, man, I ain't worried about a COVID It's real. I take precautions. Hell yeah. But there's something out there that will kill me faster than COVID. There's something else I have to worry about that I think about on a daily basis. I ain't got time to think about a COVID, whatever it is, because I got to think about being black. And people don't understand how seriously we have to take it. But I'm telling you, when you live in this reality, man, it is, it is not a game. It's a beautiful joy to be a part of this culture. But it is also a taxing responsibility just to figure out how to enjoy being human.
1: Yeah. Do so. you do you feel, um, do you feel that you're in a you're in a like kind of a, a weird position where in some in some contexts you could be let's say you're it's something that's involved with City on a Hill or, mm-hmm. or any of films you're doing and you're treated a certain way mm-hmm. and then you know when you're walking over here are you treated? a certain way? Like, do you see, are you conscious of that all the time? Um, Is it something that you, that, that like, is just a part of your existence that. Well, there's
0: a shift. There's been a shift as the progress of my career has continued and my recognition has grown. There's an obvious shift in terms of how people treat me, but it's not based off of the respect for me. It's based off the acknowledgement of who, what I do. Right. Um, I won't say who I am because they still don't know who I am. They don't know me as a person, but yeah, you know, there's, uh, I'm gonna be honest. It's to the point where I can't discern the difference between certain things. Like if I walk into a store and somebody's following me, I'm not sure if they're following me because I'm black or if they're following me because they know who I am, you know, I like know my career, right? Or sometimes somebody will be in a corner just staring. And I'm the kind of guy, I'm like, you need to say something. Come up and say hi, smile, cheese, something, because I'm going to take it a different way. Like, (laughs) I'm in survival mode. You got to know where I came from. I was raised between Jersey and New York, and these streets was tough. And I was raised off of survival tactics. You know what I'm saying? My mom taught me and my brother... At a young age, when you know, learn where you at. Because if, if you're ever snatched up, look at the buildings. Learn where you at just so you can know how to get back home. And to this day, that's still how I figure out and navigate. I travel all over the world. When I go out, I'm always looking. If I'm walking, I'm checking behind me 24-7. I'm always looking at the buildings. I know buildings more than street names. You know what I mean? I'm always keeping a guard up just because. This career, this life, doesn't absolve me of anything. If not, it only accentuates and elevates the 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 nature of of danger in some instances. Because now people can see a, a bigger target, right? Yeah. A more obvious target. So I really can't say which, huh. which which is which. But in terms of like the work environment, there's still spaces to to earn certain respects, and I'm not sure that will ever go away because you know and i'm i'm not speaking on on uh, on city but just in general in in terms of the work that i've done over the years to get to where i'm at now i've learned that you know you still got to deal with people with egos at a high level who are going to test you you know they're going to challenge you sometimes you got to convince people of your own value and this is not something i've only experienced secularly when it comes to one specific culture i've experienced it with all kinds of people from all cultures um it's more about respecting where I'm going. I know where I'm going and I know what I'm doing. You may not. I don't care. Get out of my way. I'm going to push you. I'm going to move you out of my way. Or you can work with me. I'ma offer you the opportunity to work with me. But if you wanna work against me, you're gonna get out of my way because I got mouths to feed. At the end of the day, my family's far more important than this mess will ever be. So like you better make a decision because <laughs> this work going to get done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I made a rule a long time ago dealing with, this was probably, this was over 10 years ago, dealing with uh, a difficult actor one time. And uh, we had to squash it, but I told the executives on that project, I said, don't worry about the work. Like, I don't need to like you to make money with you. I just need to respect you. And I can only respect you knowing that you respect me. We don't have to be friends. But as long as you come in, you know where I'm at and you know what line not to cross, we good. But if you think you're just going to bully me, bruh, it's always another job. I'm not about to sit here. If you, I don't work for you. Even if I do work for you, you're going to respect me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This job is not worth my dignity. It's not. We're going to figure it out because I done been through worse. Used to live in a car. We done been through worse. (laughs) We survived. So I thought we'd say nothing. You know what I'm saying? My mama, a G. she survived anything. Both my parents are former Marines. They done been to war. Like, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? I come from champions. Get out of here with your ego. I ain't got time
1: for that. Yeah, they, well, you're you're. It's funny, you're a- answering a lot of questions that I have, which was you know that I would get it. It's so funny. I got a couple of pages of notes.
0: Where, I'm where, sorry. I, no, I, no, no. It doesn't look, matter. I apologize saying, no, it to it the matter. audience because I talk a lot. <laughs> no, it
1: doesn't matter because we're get we're kind of getting there. Because yeah, one yeah. of the things that I, um, I've I've thought of you. You you told me your age relatively recently. And yeah, I'm i was 34. Like, yeah, I was like, what? By the way, happy birthday. Thank belated. Happy you. Happy birthday. You. And, and, uh, and your mom, too. She looks young. Yeah. She looks like she's your younger sister. I, see, yeah. I saw that on Instagram. Mom's in just bed.
0: had a birthday yeah, in October, yeah.
1: So, so, but one of the things I was going to ask you, you, you come across as older than you are. Mm-hmm. And I get it now because you've been carrying a weight since a mm-hmm. young age. You've had to grow up. To me, it sounds like like yeah, you, you, have, a a, you have a gravitas. What's <laughs> that? Had to grow up a little faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you have a yeah. you have a, 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 a it's just it's just something. It's just something in your essence, and it's not uh, like you I, look old. Like you look physically old. Like you're. It, it's more of a. It's an essence of like a. It's that's all I could call it is a weight. And, uh, and in talking to you, I I think that's. It, well, it, it just makes sense to me. You're, a... you're, you've been you, like even just hearing you kind of dissect how you walk down the street or if someone's looking at you. There are certain there are certain things that you have had to think about. Let's say you, that have when, when, you. When,
0: when you know been through some things, they never leave you. Yeah, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what new space you step into. <laughs> Those survival instincts never leave you, and sometimes. I find myself talking to my mom and being like, Ma, you know, we could relax a little aside right, because we can acclimate to our new environment. Um, because I want my mom to just sink into relaxation now. It's like, all right, like you you done your job. Now go enjoy because she's had a tough life. But I understand because you can't always get too, too comfortable, right? Um And yeah, I mean, look, I'm an old soul. My name actually means old, old man or of the old house. So like I've been, you know, made to be old since I was born. But uh, (laughs) I love my challenges, my upbringing, because it's preparing me for something. Everything to me is a nominal step. It's a small piece of the bigger picture. And when I look back on my life, um, even in the times that were rougher, and the times that were uncertain, everything that was, needed was provided. And this is sort of where I figured not to confuse my wants for my needs, because there are a lot of things I wanted that I never got. Didn't get them for a reason, because they would have gotten in the way of what I needed. And there's a purpose beyond me. There's a purpose for my work beyond supplementing my bank account. It's that's That's neither here nor there, right? There's a real sense of, of reasoning and rationale for my personal life experience that I'm still exploring and seeking to find. I'm never going to have the capability to understand the true vision or see the full picture, right? That's not on me. Um, what I can do is appreciate the opportunity in the moment and execute the opportunity when it's laid before me. That's the, all the choice that I have right now in terms of my path is, do I want to go here or here? If I go here, what does that mean and what am I trying to accomplish with it? But the, if, if I was afforded a, a super easy, cushy life at a young age, I wouldn't be able to appreciate any of what I understand now. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't have the work ethic that I have. I wouldn't be able to enjoy things the way that I enjoy them um, because I would not have had to work for them. And there's so much of a different joy when you, mal- I don't care if it's a dollar, $10, $10 $100,000, or a million dollars. You earn that and that's yours because if it's sweat off your back, it's very different than, oh, you just gave it. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, uh, and, and that's just maybe I like to work. I like to feel that sense of, of uh, I, I guess it's uh, self gratifying to a degree when you put in the work and, you know, um, you just start to see the the, the results, and, and and you you're like, wow! It actually gives you something to believe in. It makes you work harder because you realize you actually have the capability and the capacity uh, within your skill set to do exactly what you want to do. You can, and you're like, wow! I don't if it takes a year, ten years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, um, it's a lot of work to do, but like. Everything's possible. So I love the way I grew up. I wouldn't change it. Uh, You know, well, actually, I mean, if I had to relive life, the only thing I would change would be to make things easier on my mom. But, uh, like, give her more help um, through the years. But aside from that, you know, I'm I'm still learning. And and sort of back to our earlier conversation, just – Policy, policing, racism, different sides of things like I have no answers. So even in my discussion, I'm only talking about my experience up to this point. But my mind is left open to learn more with the notion and understanding that I know I may have the wrong answer today, but I'm open to learning and figuring out what the right answer is tomorrow. What we do here is go back, 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 back,
1: back, back. Okay, top three takeaways. It is hard to pick just three after a conversation like that, but that's how we do it on this show, so I am just going to give it a shot. Number one, it's something Aldous said right at the end there. You're not always going to get it right, so check your ego at the door and be open to learning. This part of our conversation, we didn't plan it. We sat down to talk about Aldous's career, And it took an unexpected turn, as I told you. I cannot tell you how glad I am that it did, that Aldous felt comfortable enough with me, trusted me enough, and was courageous enough to speak his truth about his experiences. A lot of times people sit down for interviews and they don't bring their whole selves, but he did. And full disclosure, I found it hard to have conversations like this over the past few months because honestly, I don't know what the right thing is to say But Aldous brought both truth and tremendous humility. I think what he says right here is kind of the whole point of this entire conversation. I have no answers.
0: So even in my discussion, I'm only talking about my experience up to this point, but my mind is left open to learn more with the notion and understanding that I know I may have the wrong answer today, but I'm open to learning and figuring out what the right answer is tomorrow.
1: Number two. Treat everyone equally with respect as humans. I'd like to think that when people meet me, they judge me for me, not based on some preconceived idea that they have about me. Everyone deserves that opportunity. And so, if you're not going to attach
0: his one act to the rest of the problem, don't attach, don't feel so free to attach the one act of an individual black or brown person to their entire culture. It's not
1: fair. And number three listen, acknowledge, respect. And try your best to understand. There will always be people you don't agree with. There will always be difference. But don't come to the table if you aren't prepared to listen.
0: You're right. If we all come to the table with more questions than we think we have answers, we're going to learn a lot more.
1: And with that, I hope that you have all learned a lot more. I cannot thank Aldous Hodge enough. Sitting down with him produced not one, but two episodes of content that I feel are very informative and important for people to be listening to right now. I hope you agree. And if you do, please share this episode with the people in your life that you think will benefit from hearing it for the sake of the show, so it can play in more eardrums and have more of an impact. Please consider leaving a review make it a five star review, why not? Take a screenshot of it on your phone and post it to your social media. Just get the word out. It's not as much about me being ranked number 1 as it is about helping folks to see things a little differently. We appreciate it. Connect with us at 10000nos.com. That's 10000nos.com. Get added to our mailing list. We've got a newsletter that comes out every Monday. For those of you that are new, I have a book that just came out. So if you made it this far and didn't think I was a total idiot, you can order that at 10,000nose.com as well. It's been getting a lot of love. So thanks to all of you who have already given me the love. I appreciate that. And don't forget to tune in for our brief little Monday morsels to kick off your week. We'll see you soon.